Welcome back to Rework, the podcast by 37 Signals about the better way to work and run your business. I'm Sean Hildner, and as always, I'm joined by 37 Signals co-founders and the authors of Rework, David Heinemeyer Hansen. How are you today? Good, good, Sean. And Jason Fried, how are you? Doing well, thank you. How are you? Oh, can't complain. It's uh, nice to be back on the air, you know? And what a better way to come back from break than to talk about meetings. This is probably your most referenced take. And I don't really want to rehash all of Jason's brilliant TED Talk. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to go check it out. But to start off, can you sort of briefly lay out your overall problems with meetings? There's a couple of big issues. Number one is that um, they tend to convey a really small amount of information for the amount of time <laughs> that's that's taken. That's number one. Number two, you don't have them by yourself. So you've got to have people in them, which mm-hmm. means you've got to sync up schedules. You've got to pull people off their work. A call with with two people isn't a meeting. It's just a call with two people. But like a meeting is like three or four or five. And then you end up having five people. Let's say you talk for an hour. That's actually five hours. Yeah, go into that a little little bit more. I think that's sort of the, the oh, God, I hate to use thought technology. But the thing when I first uh, heard your TED Talk, um, yeah. I was like, oh, I've never, you know, really wrapped my mind around it in that way. Yeah, basically, the fundamental point is that like a one hour meeting with five people is not one hour. It's, it's five hours, five hour meeting. And that's mm-hmm. expensive. And you've got to think about, is it worth spending five work hours on this one thing that we could probably write up or two people could discuss in 15 minutes or something like that? Mm-hmm. You know, meetings aren't the worst thing in the world. They should just probably be the last thing. They're, they're kind of plan B or plan C or plan D. You should try to figure out how to communicate without having those meetings. And in most organizations, the meeting is the first default response. Like, uh, there's something to discuss. Let's have a meeting. Let's get on everyone's calendars, have a meeting. And I think that's what's toxic about them. I think one of the other key issues that has uh, come up since the pandemic is the fact that meetings are synchronous. That is a very expensive way of coordinating things. If you have five people, not only are you spending five hours, if the meeting is an hour long, you also have to coordinate five people being in the same space, either physically or virtually at the same time, which is just a nightmare of juggling calendars. And it's a nightmare of puncturing daily schedules. Another thing we're really big on is this notion of long stretches of uninterrupted time. It's quite difficult to have those long stretches of uninterrupted time if your day is punctured by meetings. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in some ways, it gets even worse if those meetings are exactly just an hour or so, you might think, oh, well, I have an hour meeting in the morning and I have one in the afternoon. That's just two hours out of eight hours. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that creative endeavors in general uh, don't yield well to those kinds of interruptions. If you are 45 minutes out from a meeting, uh, there's a good chance you'll look at that time as, eh, do you know what? I'm not going to dive into a big, hairy problem sure. here. I'm yeah. just going to dive into my emails. Or I'm going to dive into something else that was not really the thing that was going to move the ball forward. So meetings just puncture and explode these calendars we have. And it prevents us, if you have too many of them, from having these long stretches of uninterrupted time. Mm-hmm. In addition, now that so much of the world has gone remote, which is actually something you'd think we'd just be thrilled about. And in some ways, there are positive factors to it, but there are also negative factors, especially when it comes to meetings. It's one thing to have a meeting with five people when you're actually sitting in person and you get some sort of 
social electricity out of it that actually energizes people. I have never heard of anyone becoming energized by spending hours on end on Zoom. (laughs) In fact, I've heard repeatedly exactly the opposite, that Zoom fatigue hits about 100% of the population. Um, It is even more infectious than the disease uh, that gave rise to all this in itself. And that's just a, a new form of strategy, especially for companies that were used to doing a bunch of meetings, thought it was actually good. Maybe those companies were run by a bunch of extroverts who, who really like these things. <laughs> right. And then they translated that meeting schedule into Zoom. And all of a sudden, they're so surprised that work sucks. Like, yeah. what's not working here? Well, Zoom is a very poor replacement for the electricity of in-person social interaction. It's a quite reasonable replacement for sort of just conveying information or, or settling on something, but it doesn't provide this other thing that I think that a lot of uh, people who actually didn't mind meeting so much in the uh, quote-unquote real world are, are looking for. So I think those are two additional reasons, Anno, 2020 forward that has made this um, chapter meetings of toxic even more pertinent. I think they're the same types of people too that are trying to recreate the in-person meeting on Zoom that are forcing people to keep your camera on and you know don't blur your background and try to you know make it as meeting as as possible, which I think is also very toxic. It is, but I also understand the the sentiment, right? Like if if you actually were the kind of person who really just did like meetings, not because they were actually productive, but because, because they, you get to they hang gave out. you something else, mm, you're, mm-hmm. you're desperately trying to recreate that something. The promise of online, the promise of something like Zoom or other video chat things is that it does just that. And it kind of looks like it does just that. When you start doing it, it's sort of an insidious, almost silent killer when you've just been on a Zoom call for an hour and you go like, uh, why is the lifeblood just getting sucked out of me at 10 times the pace that it would yeah. happen in an actual meeting? Like, what is going on? Like, it is this thing that looks like the real thing. Um, it sort of smells like the real thing, but it actually doesn't smell like the real thing. Maybe this is part <laughs> of it, right? Like, you can't actually smell other people on Zoom, which sounds like a feature, but who the hell knows where these creatures who've evolved over uh, 200,000 years, maybe smell is one of those key things that provide the electricity of, of the social connection, and we don't fully understand it. But what we do understand is that Zoom fatigue is very real. It is a direct consequence of meeting culture, and you don't have to do remote that way. There's other ways to do remote. There's other ways to do remote than to reach for the meeting first. You can go asynchronous. This is what we talk about in Rework repeatedly. Mm -hmm. You can go writing first instead of meeting first, and then you can leave the meeting to become the thing that breaks a stalemate. This is what I really like to use meetings for in general. You write something up, asynchronous, don't have to have the coordination. You go back and forth a few times. When you sense the temperature of that exchange heating up or that we're not really getting to a conclusion, we're not getting closer to each other, we're getting further away from each other, that's the time where you just say, okay, enough. We're not going to comment back and forth our way out of this one. Right. Let's do a meeting. (laughs) And in fact, we don't even call it a meeting. We call it a call, which is, you know, what is whatever. But still, there is something a little bit different. And frankly, like... I've been using the phone more than video. I I don't like video for talking to somebody. There's no need to do that, really. So like Brian, who's on product strategy, 
uh, whenever we catch up, we catch up on the phone. We almost yeah. never catch up on Zoom. Just let's just talk. Like talking yeah. is different actually than meeting where it's physical. You, you've got a, you've got a, a camera on you. A lot of people don't even like just being on camera. So you get Absolutely. this camera staring at you. You got a green light staring at you. It's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. And people are looking at themselves all the time, which is something you kind of can't help doing. And then you oh, get absolutely. self-conscious. In a meeting, you can't see yourself. You can't see your head. You can't see your face. In a real meeting, physically, on Zoom, you're seeing yourself. And then you're on stage. I've never once cared how I look, you know, yeah. in, a, in a conference room. Yeah. So it's just it's just the whole thing's awkward and uncomfortable and unnecessary most of the time. So, yeah. so let me let me show throw in a uh, life hack here, a meeting oh, hack. Oh, I can't wait. Which is the one I've been running this entire quote-unquote meeting or conversation, which we actually run over uh, a video chat platform. I put another window in front of my Zoom window all the time. <laughs> I turn Zoom calls into audio calls because I actually don't want to look at people like this. I think Jason is on yeah. to exactly the right thing here. Do you know what? I recall being perfectly fine having very long phone calls growing up <laughs> prior mm-hmm. to messaging, prior to video calls, all these other things. And they were not fatiguing in the same way. There was something uniquely fatiguing about this combination of the audio plus the video feed that both does not exist in real life meetings, although I also find those fatiguing at some point, but in a different way. And there, it's also not true about audio only. There's really something uniquely terrible about the Zoom style way of, of seeing each other. But you can literally opt out of that. No one will know. You just drag another window in front of the browsers I've done right now. I have the uh, the Kindle app, which is, by the way, one of the worst apps that's ever been developed. <laughs> it's an absolutely terrible app, but it blocks other windows just fine. And I have uh, Meetings for Toxic, the chapter we're talking about right in front of me instead of uh, your lovely faces. Oh, perfect. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so no need to feel self-conscious about how you look because I can't see you anyway. <laughs> I don't mean to hijack the call about about phone calls, but no, no, no. There's something really nice to me about about moving and talking. So I like to walk mm. and talk. I hate mm-hmm. sitting still and talking. Actually, I, I I can't think as clearly. And so what's nice about the phone is you can actually like literally go on a walk and talk. You can't do that on camera, really. I mean, you could hold it in front of you, but that's totally weird. Um, so I think there's a real advantage to moving your body, at least for me, and like just moving through space and thinking. That, yeah. that that's stuck that you can't do on camera. And um, the more people are on camera, the more stationary you are, which is also just kind of really uncomfortable. So, yeah, it, it's funny because that point, Jason, uh, I just finished reading Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Uh, yeah. And he brings up this thing about the, the walking and the talking, that this mm. has a long history. Lincoln apparently was famous for all his momentous talks with other politicians. It was a walk and talk engagement. Um, Steve Jobs basically only held meetings in that way. I think there, there really is something to this uh, physicality of, of doing it. And I do find that that replacement is is surprisingly good for the okay we're literally walking next to each other and talking the walking and being on the phone is is pretty close far far closer than this uh a natural zoom replacement for being in person yeah well there are some things like showing work that you do need to at least be on camera for or you know share your screen and 37 Signals does have some meetings. So what types of meetings do we have around here? I know we don't have like the typical Monday stand-up or something like that. It might be the most egregious of these uh, offenders. 
Yeah, I mean, for example, when I review work with a designer, we do it on Zoom because we look at the work together. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of sort of the only way to really look at the work together. But I don't ever consider that a meeting. It's just two of us talking about the work. Right. And looking at the work. It's just not not a meeting. We do have uh, some standing team calls. So like the design team or programmer team or other teams might get together uh, once a week and just kind of have a more of a social hour together, essentially, Mm -hmm. and talk about some stuff, look at some work sometimes, whatever. So we do have those. And then we do an all hands uh, once every six to eight weeks, which is a little bit more of a Q&A. Here's what's kind of going on. Here's what we're planning to work like on working on over the next six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, catch up. Um, that's kind of it. But besides the, um, the the team calls and the and the all hands, some other teams do some more frequent calls. There's, of course, some people that do one-on-ones. But again, I don't really consider a one-on-one necessarily meeting, but it mm-hmm. is it is something that has to fit on your schedule if you're doing that. So I tend not to do those. I don't know. That's kind of all I can recall. David, anything else? I think it's key, Sean, when you say catch up, that is, we sort of, we do that, but it's not for the purpose of conveying information because as Jason started out saying, the meeting is actually one of the worst ways possible to convey information unless the information is emotion or something else where it's not about like facts or presentations of things to look at. Uh If, If what you're conveying is like a, upbeat spirit, a shared celebration, for example, as we often do with the um, cults we do after a cycle. We're like, hey, we just did a bunch of great work over the past six weeks. Let's celebrate that together. Let's get excited about the next batch of work that we're doing together. Those things, those can be more difficult to convey in uh, in text. And I think uh, having a call can be a reasonable way of doing it if it's really spursed out, if it's essentially like a, a little bit of spice you add on, not too much, just a, just a pinch. That's good. And then, um, as I mentioned earlier, too, the other uh, form there is to to break a stalemate, to break out of something that has escalated into something where we don't feel like we're making progress together on text. But the information conveying meeting in the strictest sense of like, here I am reading aloud of something that everyone needs to know. Those are absolutely just terrible. Right. Do you have any uh, tips isn't the right way, but I guess how do you keep these meetings when you do have to have them productive? Is there a certain way we schedule or I mean, I I know you've mentioned like setting a timer and you have to cut off at the timer. Have you ever like actually done that? (laughs) I think actually, do you know what? We fall into the same traps as everyone else, which is exactly why we wrote this chapter is because when we set up a a quote unquote real meeting, one that's actually scheduled and so on, it totally gets a time slot. It gets a time, it's half an hour, or it's an hour. And you know what? It'll just fill that half an hour. It'll fill that hour. Now, to some extent, you could say like that's a form of time boxing and that kind of works. But those time boxes are pretty crude. It's quite rare that we are even able to distill things down to like just a five minute call. Right. Because it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that versus, and this is really the crucial distinction. When you collaborate asynchronously in writing, Oh, there's a million decisions all the time that are taken and communicated in five minutes or seven minutes or six minutes, 49 seconds, because that's how (laughs) long it takes to write that damn comment that you're putting in there or that word you're putting in. And that's fine. And you move on. And I think that is why we're such a big fan of uh, of the asynchronous form, not the chat form. This is where a little bit of a distinction comes in. Uh, chat has a whole host of other problems. I don't think we actually covered the 
terribleness of chat in rework. In no, part perhaps because we haven't li- we hadn't lived that universe for long enough. I think right. Campfire was only slack. five years old or something yep. at that point, um, and we were a considerably smaller company. And then now we've been in that world for much longer, and we've discovered all the ways that chat absolutely sucked too in a variety of ways. What I'm talking about here is sort of the bread and butter of Basecamp, which is what we like to call sort of the PERMA. It's a message, it's a to-do, it's a card, it's a document that's been uploaded, it's something else like that that forms like the, the outline of a discussion, and then it's a comment thread below. And that comment thread is both longer than chat messages, right? Because it's not line by line staccato thinking. You actually get to compose yourself in full paragraphs right. and all these other good things for thinking, but they are very asynchronous. And you look at a bunch of things. We, I might be at any one time involved in 10, 15 different discussions at the same time that I'll, I'll put in my two cents. And then do you know what? When someone else responds, that's when maybe I'll look at it again at some point after that. It allows you a sort of a, form of parallel processing. If you think of it in like modern computers, one of the huge uh, steps we've taken forward in performance has been this idea that a CPU now has multiple cores. It can do Mm. many things at the same time and those things don't have to wait for each other. I kind of feel like that's what working in Basecamp is like. It's like upgrading your capacity to collaborate and make decisions to multi-core setups. <laughs> if you are a meetings first organization, you're running a single core processor and it yeah. doesn't matter how smart you are, how many gigahertz your brain can process, you can just do that one thing at a time. So while you're sitting in your one hour meeting or two hour meeting or three hour meeting, God forbid, um, doing the one thing, do you know what? Uh, I, I can spend that time doing 23 things. Not because it's sort of interlacing in this um, multitasking way, but because each core runs sort of the small job. Hey, let's make a decision on this thing. We move on. You go do your thing. I go do my thing. And my thing is to check in on a few other things too. So it is just um, such a powerful, and even though we've harped upon this point, I think for, I mean, 10 years plus, it Uh still feels like the biggest secret out there. It yeah. feels like yeah, yeah. we use Basecamp in this way and a lot of other companies, they still run on like this ancient operating system of meetings first. And you just look at that and you go like, oh man, I I, I pitied the fool who still have to cook with a stone axe. However you do that. That's like the biggest question I get from friends. Um, how do I talk to my boss about stopping this Monday standup? And I think it's just, well, that's the way we do things, you know? Inertia is a, do we bleep on this show? Can I say inertia is a bitch? Um, Yeah, of course you can say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I think the the, the one thing that um, we saw with the pandemic was, right, like, Jason and I have literally been talking about remote for the entire existence of this company, our entire collaboration <laughs> together, 20, what is it, 21 years at this point, a book uh, almost 10 years ago, harping upon the same point, right? I wouldn't say nothing happened. A few things happened for a few companies. Then the pandemic hits and totally blasts inertia to space. And all of a sudden something happens, right? Something new comes in. So yeah. I think that's part of it. Um, I mean, we've likened this in other ways to sort of like, you just have to let the, and this is harsh, and I mean it about organizations, not people, but you just got to let the dinosaurs die. Yeah, Like it literally is a generational thing to some extent 
to move past this meetings first kind of thing. Like the next generation, that's not what they're going to reach for first. Now, maybe we will overcorrect horrendously in the other direction, right? Like um, <laughs> the joke of uh, Gen Z people basically getting panic attacks if the phone rings and they're like, what is going on? Did someone die? Because everything is, is running on text is, is hopefully not a heartbringer of what's to come. But that some of it is that, right? New companies being started today, post-pandemic, oh, remote is absolutely the default. Writing is absolutely the default. Mm-hmm. Zoom fatigue is something they all live through and hopefully vow to not repeat. So we will get another type of company, but it's got to be the seedlings that put it through. I mean, you see the struggles that Apple and other companies are having, right? They have a long established multi-decade culture with people who were burst and brought up under a different regime. Those people do not change easy and they will continue to kick and scream until it goes back to the old way. Yeah. It's kind of similar to, I spent too much money on this new office, so you have to come in. Is that also an Apple reference to the UFO? Yeah. Was that like $5 billion? Was that the most expensive office actually in the history of offices? I can't think of another one. It's got to be. It probably, yeah, it's got to be. Anyway. All right. Well, I think that's a great place to stop as we rag on Apple once again on Rework. Free Fortnite! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You want to open the uh, listener mailbag for a second? Sure. All right. This time we have a question from Chris. Hello, Jason, David, and Sean. I've noticed you've been gradually adding back office type roles at 37 Signals, and I'm curious if shape-up principles like six-week cycles or hill charts have influenced your back office functions. Yeah. Um, he's Sean. He asked you, too. You want to answer that one? Yeah. It's kind of funny. I actually, because I am on a basically one-week cycle, I don't really get to experience most of the the shape up um, system, I suppose. Yeah. So I'm a little out of out of the loop there. Yeah, I mean, most of the teams at the company try to run on six week cycles, mm-hmm. including finance, including um, what we're calling sort of commercial, which is um, marketing and some other things. Um, not everybody runs it the same way, uh, but we all try to post what are called heartbeats and kickoffs every six weeks, explaining roughly like what happened over the past six weeks, what's going to happen over the next six weeks. Things are supposed to be project-based to a certain degree. Like this is what we're expecting to get done over the next six weeks. It's not a continuation necessarily of something we did last six weeks. It's a new thing. Uh, not always, but most of the time. Some teams though don't really work that way. Ops, for example, is more of a reactive work kind of team where mm, things mm-hmm. come up and you just don't know. They have some right. projects though that are are happening and are pre-announced and are are on on a a set schedule to some degree and time boxed, but other things just kind of come up. So I would say it's product is prime is the primary place and then it it has expanded beyond that, but it's not quite as rigid in other places. Um, I do think though that the Six-week cadence of kickoffs and heartbeats, just to reiterate, a, a, a heartbeat is sort of a summary of what happened over the last six weeks, right. all the mm-hmm. work that was completed, and a kickoff is what's planned on being worked on over the next six weeks. Those are really valuable uh, yeah. things. Even if there's some things that go for a few cycles just because of the nature of the work, it's still just nice to know where things are and where we expect them to be over the next six. Yeah, that's a good way to replace a meeting, you know? Well, it actually is a good example of that, where, where the kickoffs and the heartbeats do. They summarize in significant detail lots of things that don't need to be discussed at the moment, but can right. wait for six weeks to be summarized all in one post, which then you can read on your own schedule or ignore if you want to. You know, like it's here. The information's here. If you're curious, you can read it. If not, it's fine too. 
but you can read it in one one swallow basically and then you're done you know you don't have to sit through anything it's kind of like a reader's digest version of the productivity of the last yeah. six weeks which yeah. is one of those points i think we are increasingly losing this idea to to summarize with sort of in a brief manner like mm-hmm. you you don't need to follow along what everyone else does all the time now you actually can to some extent in basecamp but we encourage people not to we've done a lot of work to actually cut down on the amount of information you're exposed to yep. and then the alternative or, or the replacement here is like you know what once every six weeks you'll know You'll get the highlights. You don't need the play-by-play. You don't need all the details. You just need like a one sheet of paper, which is usually what the kickoff of Heartbeat is. It's about a page yep. plus minus. And you can read that in, what, five minutes? And you can catch up on six weeks worth of stuff that happened? Well, how long would it have taken to pay minute attention to all those details along the way? How much interruption would have it cost? How yeah. much attention slip would you have suffered? Boom. Once every six weeks, you're up to date. Yeah. So, I mean, Shape Up, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, was written from the standpoint of this is what we use for product design. Is that right? Yes. yes. But it is a viable way to work for a lot of the back office um, roles. I think any project-based work, which is what uh, product development ultimately is, right? you know, it's these sort of chunks of work that need to happen within a certain period of time. Um, are roughly predefined up front, but with a lot of room to, to move to figure out how to get it done. Anything that that fits into that pattern, and most projects do, regardless of whether or not they're you know marketing projects or um, some sort of infrastructure upgrade or something like that. Like these things can fit in that system, and this includes accounting stuff. Like, hey, we're going to switch from this tax platform to this tax platform, or yeah, or this you know whatever to whatever whatever these things might be. They're projects. They've they've got tasks. They've got people involved. They've got uh, qu- open questions that haven't been answered yet. They've got a, a rough shape. You have a pretty good sense of like what needs to happen and what what done's going to look like. Anything and and most most types of work fall into that pattern. So yeah, I think it's really really good. Well, cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Chris, for uh, for calling in. If you have any questions for Jason or David. You can give us a call at 708-628-7850. Or better yet, you can record a voice memo on your phone and email it to hello at rework.fm. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about when to just say, eh, this is good enough. And sometimes good enough is fine. But for now, I want to say thank you to Jason Fried. Thanks, Sean. And thank you for joining me, David Heinemeyer Hansen. Yep. We'll see you next week. Rework is a production of 37 Signals. Our theme music is by Clipart. We're on the web at rework.fm, where you can find show notes and transcripts for this and every episode of Rework. We're also on Twitter at Rework Podcast. If you're following along in the book, next time we'll be discussing the chapter, Good Enough is Fine. And if you like the show, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever you're listening to this. Rework.